0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Facts and Furious, where we are ready to make a hard right, floor it, and drift through this podcast. Clever, because we're not actually going to drift through it. We're going to plough through it, Lee, in an entertaining but educational manner. As ever, we'll bring you the latest and greatest automotive news, accompanied by our often furious take from the petrolhead's perspective. I'm James, and again this week, I'm joined by Lee, as Hitesh is still sunning it up on his jollies. Uh, before getting started we'd like to thank you all for listening we really appreciate your continued support if you fancy a shout out on the show please don't hesitate to get in contact through instagram uh, where you can you can find us by searching for hashtag amecars and looking for posts by automotive which is the brand that brings you this podcast now though we have installed for you uh, possibly the most anticipated performance car of our lifetimes the bmw m3 touring an EV conversion for the previous generation Land Rover Defender, and the new Peugeot 408. After delving into these stories, we'll move on to our weekly mystery car segment, which is where one of our hosts picks a car they came across while surfing the classifieds over the last seven days, and they'll provide a number of clues to test the knowledge of the other host. Um, it was Lee's turn to pick a car this week, but he's failed miserably, so I've just had to swoop in and save him. <laughs> uh, but that's fine. And... So yes, and at the end of the show, we'll have uh, also oh-so-unspecific-any-other-business. Soli, before we delve into the formalities,
1: how are you? I am very well, thank you. Fresh off another week, which seems to have disappeared before me. And I really want a Toyota Supra. I really want a Corvette C3 or C4. <laughs> I really, annoyingly would quite like an M3, a current generation one which is obviously on topic for today's podcast. So it's effectively been another week where I want cars I can't afford. So yeah, welcome to another week in my life.
0: What are you going to do to afford them? Have you got a, a master plan or, or
1: is this podcast a master plan? This podcast features as a small stepping stone in (laughs) a wider plan. I've currently started a new job in the cryptocurrency industry. And just like... Yes, well, I'd like to say that that's a a hint of I'm coming closer to acquiring one of these wonderful beasts. But rather, as you quite well know, everywhere I seem to go, the business seems to start either stripping back or losing money. Join crypto industry, (laughs) dives, join Dennis Publishing cutting back because we're about to be sold join honda yeah there's no more fun stuff going on here so i've just got a reputation for going to businesses that don't like spending money or like to start losing money so yeah i'm no closer to any of those cars and i have no plan for it that's, maybe that's why you go to a company which
0: is failing
1: and then you we'll might put it into the ground. ground no
0: you know maybe that could that could be a skill to be fair but the what was i gonna ask you about oh yeah don't people normally do do their career the other way? They go off, and make a bunch of money, and go, actually, I want to do stuff about cars, and then go into it with lots of money. Whereas you've gone, I want to do stuff with cars, made no money, and gone, actually, this sucks. <laughs> so,
1: sorry, pretty much. Make
0: some money somewhere else. Um,
1: that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I've taken the, uh, the scenic route, shall we say.
0: Oh, Lee, on the subject of scenic routes. So about at midweek this week, it, uh, it dawned on me that I was supposed to be at a stag slash hen this weekend, mm. um, which was, you know, some, it was fine. I'm glad I picked it up when I did, because if I would just forgotten to go completely, that'd have probably been quite cross. But did you
1: end up waving around any dildos or anything of the like?
0: It was not that kind of stag slash hen It was more, um, I don't know, culturally aware. Uh, no, it was it was. Yeah, it was it was more chilled to be fair. It was it was, but the the the, the nitty gritty of this the, the Stags of Hindu is not is not the point of this anecdote. The point is, it was up near Cumbria, which meant with just a small forty five minute detour, I could find some of my favourite roads in the North Pennines, and I I, I just I absolutely love those roads. I, it, so much so, if if they were my commute, I would happily have a job shovelling poo nine to five, <laughs> and I'd still be happy.
1: We're, just we're, were these roads the ones we frequented on our little jaunt in the GR Yaris, not GR Yaris, what was it called back then? GRMN. The G- GRN. They, they
0: were, some of them were, yeah. And they're just Oh yeah. I, I like I just for me it's all about the corners. Like any old bod with a heavy right foot can, can go fast in a straight line. But it's mm. just when you've got good sight lines, the roads aren't busy, it was a really it was a nice dry day, but not with sun's glowing in your eyes, and it was just just made me fall in love with driving all over again. It's just it was it was great. So I'm happy the people are getting married. Uh can't wait for the wedding. I have to go back.
1: Yeah. It's it's I think it's really funny you say that because I don't remember the last time I had one of those affirming drives that you know confirmed exactly why I like driving and why I like cars. That yeah, is now know, a is distant problem. memory. I know you yes know I live in is. London. I yes. live in London. I know. And and because as I think I do think to an extent also to wear that appetite. Like you don't have to have an amazing car or a fast car, but I think you do have to have something with a tiny degree of sporting pretense somewhere. And for example, say like a Ford Mondeo it doesn't have to be any a fancy one or anything, but you know, go back a few generations and Mark One Mondeo, for example, everyone knew it was a good car to drive for a standard. You know, run of the mill saloon. Whereas now, I'm driving around in a Skoda Kamiq, Which
0: how you know... far you've fallen, Lee? How
1: far yeah. you have fallen? I don't chase apex speeds; I chase mpg. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but the, I actually the part. Just going back to the bit about you needing a car with a bit of something. Mm. You need a bit of something because you will, no number regardless when you go, when you're on, when you're out for a drive, you will come across. Someone in probably a Japanese SUV doing 12 miles an hour, and if you can't get past that because you're in a Skoda City, go you're ruined, your drive's ruined. Um, so you need Indeed. to be able to dispatch people, but but yeah, I, I yeah, it's I don't you don't need nuts power, that's why we love hot hatches, hot
1: hatches, amen. Preach, preach yeah. That, that, well, that, yeah,
0: go on. Sh- sh- well, I was gonna say, if, if with the amen, shall I give you the hint for mystery car because I didn't actually do that. Indulge And then me. we'll move on to the news. Okay, so the hint for this car, and it's quite vague, uh, is uh, these be a movie star, these cars. They're a movie star? They are. They have starred in at least one movie. Okay, right. I see. How's do you usually? want a cheeky beginner's guess, or are you happy to sit on that until the end?
1: Herbie. Uh, um, I'll see. give you one guess. If you're going for VW Beetle, you can do like... You can forget about it. I should have should have known better that you weren't going to elect a VW to get any more airtime than possible on such a podcast. <laughs> so that was a, a naive yeah, guess on my part. Was, I was. will I will let it ruminate in my okay. brain and I will come back to it and inevitably fail miserably. Again. Awesome. This week, I did give you a bit of a bum deal. I thought you would have just
0: remembered the car, which if no one listened, if you didn't listen to last week, go back and listen to it. You'll get to listen to Lee
1: failing miserably. Painful stuff. Yeah. Um, Shall we go on to the first news story? Yes, let's. This is an exciting one, isn't it? One that we can actually all get on board with. Finally, BMW have answered the call and they've given us an M3 Touring. And just as a quick side note, I came across some pictures and there was a new story that came out again about some concept M3 cars that BMW made a few years ago. Do you remember the E46 M3 Touring concept that they made?
0: It, I, wasn't that... What it wasn't them, was it? I, I thought the forty-six. It wasn't that a fraud in
1: the end. It may have been. Maybe I didn't read the news story properly, but I saw it <laughs> in, a, in a picture that was amongst other cars that were of the uh, out of the M M Skunkworks division. So it may well have been. But again, so they finally they had that, and they've now answered the calls, and in series production form, we are going to get the current generation M three. So as the standard car is, it's packing a twin turbo three liter inline six the bmw way the bmw war. so that pushes out 503 brake horsepower 650 newton meters and it red line all the way at 7200 rpm so it'll be no surprise to see that this car sprints to 62 miles an hour in about 3.6 seconds all these models benefit from an automatic gearbox and that is channeling the power Mm. (laughs) <laughs> you know in these sorts of cars it's the thing and these beneficial automatic gearboxes are channeling the power through the x drive system which is pmw's four-wheel drive but i believe rear by system and the benefit that you get it has a 500 liter boot so it's just a really practical family car now and that is the same that you get from the standard three series torah and i think we can both agree that while the front is a dog's dinner it looks bloody good from the rear three-quarter angle, doesn't it?
0: Oh, I, I, I'm in. Mean, I'm quite conflicted about this car, but yes, from the back and the, the the back like back quarter, it's it is just. I don't can't think of a sexier BMW.
1: I I think that's a that's a bold statement. I Can you name a sexier one? I think the eight series is a pretty good looking car
0: no I, I don't i don't like the 8 series i'm not I'm not i think there's something about it and i haven't put my finger on it yet but i think when it's all blacked out it looks fine but that's because whatever it is that i can't work out what it is i'm not picking it up as much because it's blended in but i just i don't think the proportions are quite right i think this is i'm not going to say perfect because that is just naff but i don't know it this looks like you know when you find a car you like and you can google like modified versions of it Mm. And you find one that's been lowered, has nice arches, and it looks and sensational. But you know, because Terry's done it in his weekend, it'll be horrendously flawed. Like you won't be able to turn right because it's because it'll screw up on the wheel arches. I, but I, this is a been done by bmw so it must work
1: no i see what you're saying i, I don't get me wrong i think it actually in amongst its competitors i guess the rs4 is the um is the elephant in the room of competitors and i think that's a stunning looking estate in the modern context yeah i think they've done i think if you accept that all of these cars now look like they're modified versions of themselves if that makes sense as, as this m3 does it's incredibly aggressive angular boxy in the same way that I think the RS4s of old are better looking cars than the current one. Oh, 100%. G- given, given where automotive design is taking performance cars, I still think the RS4 it looks incredibly mean and it has a fantastic road presence just like this M3. Uh, I,
0: I I, think the latest RS generation are a real letdown for me. I think the previous gen, when they're a bit rounder, a bit softer, a bit more curvaceous yeah, yeah. and they were brilliant. But, um, but I are moving away from styling, although, actually, before we do that, we will put up some pictures on Instagram of the M3, so be sure to go if you'd want to go look at them. Another I,
1: plug there. Can I just add one thing more on styling? Is also what I like about the fact they've turned this car into this estate, is in terms of, I guess, both area and volume. What is disgusting about this car now physically makes up a smaller proportion of the whole car. So mathematically <laughs> speaking, it's now slightly better looking because oh, less of it is vile. And obviously we're alluding to the disgusting bucktooth grills. What?
0: I, I, I know I said I want to move away from styling, but I, <laughs> I actually want to ask you one last question. From dead on. Do you think it looks like an M car? If there wasn't the little M badge on the grill, do you... Do you think it looks actually? Hold on, add in, add into that. Get rid of the M badge on the
1: grille and the M wing mirrors. Do you think that's an M car? I think it carries quite a lot of aggression. I think if you certainly, if you look, if you look below the headlights, that sort of bottom half of the grille, it's still fairly aggressive and angular. I think. If you look okay. at like this, the the intakes that just sit four of the both of the wheels, and I th- yeah, I think there's enough angles and sort of dives in there between all of the panels that, it, to me, it look it looks sufficiently sporty. But I would add, I think you're probably subconsciously, or like we all are, we used to very be, be to be very easily able to distinguish between m and non-m but thanks to m performance and you know the watering down of all of these performance brands by way of offering slightly softer versions it's more it's more difficult to put these cars out so i think that might be something to do with it
0: I, yeah I, I i think it's for me it's the fact that the rear end is so aggressive yeah. that the front looks
1: a little weedy to me well, do you know what? That reminds me of French cars because French cars normally have one end that looks great and one end that looks crap. Oh, which co- really? I think a lot of Peugeots back in the day. You go back and you go. You look. So take the um the Laguna Coupe, Renault Laguna Coupe. From the back, baby Aston Martin. From the front, I've thrown up all over it. No, I'm not prepared to accept that as a viable viable example. The okay.
0: Laguna Coupe is a disastrous car. <laughs> front of it's great, but any anyway, but rear of it's oh, great. No, to sorry. be fair. The front of it is great if it's parked behind something and I've got my eyes closed. So you've got a point. I agree. I agree. Anyway, oh yeah, we we're moving away from styling, weren't we? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Can I hit you with why I, uh, my problems with this car? And if you can talk me down from the ledge, talk me down from the ledge. But my problems are: it is too powerful. It is not offered in the kind of spec little old me would would prefer it, and it is horrendously expensive. Oh. I do. For me, the fact there is not a, uh, um, the very least a rear-wheel drive only model. Now I get that the market's different for estates, but I would the fact that they've gone all those generations of M3 with no four-wheel drive, with manual options, and actually decent styling, and they've gone right. We've made a fugly one. I know how we'll distract people. We'll make an M3 version, but we're not going to offer it in the kind of spec which everyone had loved all the older models for we're going to do it in this new age flappy paddle you know ridiculous performance but we'll have software to bail you out from every scenario kind of setup and it just it just don't know it just grinds my gears slightly
1: i think if you know if you're coming at from an idealistic point of view totally agree you know the purists demand one thing and one thing only that's manual gearboxes that's rear wheel drive from an m car i think that is that's that's the m-car handbook you know chapter one rear wheel drive manual gearbox six cylinders what's chapter two lee there is no chapter two it's just the chapter two the title is look back at chapter one that's (laughs) that's all you have when you think about the m-cars that's how they're at least defined in my eyes i know everyone has their own take but i think it's quite quite a well-entrenched brand philosophy that said i think that Ultimately, James, the problem is, is no one will buy the manual rear-wheel drive, lower-powered version because there's no demand for it. People There's demand the... right here. No, but you can't buy the car, and you won't buy the car. The, the, the demand demand at a point where they can make a profit on it. I will I revise what I said before because the people who that you know they're targeting the people ultimately that are going out, we are going out and buying RS 4s because you know that's that, that's where a lot of their sales they'll probably hope come from, is conquest sales. You know, ultimately to so you and me this is a great brand exercise BMW answering the purists from a marketing perspective again BMW answering the purists from a sales point of view if they made it in the spec we wanted it would be an absolute sales flop I I, I hate to say that that's my take on but why them.
0: why would you buy this if if I had if I was the kind of person that wanted an easy to drive performance car that looked good I'm getting a like, I it's just it's an it's a I do not. I don't get the appeal of buying that car to not use it for the reason a purist would want to drive it. I, right. I, 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 the, the my understanding is just I don't have it anymore. I don't. You, the range will be tiny. It'll cost a fortune to run. It could be obsolete in a few years. It's not going to appeal to the masses when it eventually gets older because I, I just I because because I, I don't see cars like this becoming classics as much
1: i i i think that we both probably come in it from an, an overly purist rose tinted glasses point of view because if we both drove a manual one i'm sure we'd love it i'm sure it'd be fantastic and, and it goes again real wheel drive but that said the, the four-wheel drive part I, I would love to you know sit on my high horse and go that's disgusting but actually like four-wheel drive systems are so advanced these days that they are this car is real wheel drive until it doesn't need to be so that bit doesn't really bother me at all to be honest and when it comes to the manual versus the the automatic yes I, I i would probably prefer a manual because i think it's that layer of involvement it's another way that you're having a more connected immersive driving experience but when a car is that fast unfortunately this is the world we live in. when a car's that fast you you need the automatic gearbox to keep up with it and they're so fast that if you want to enjoy them as much, you do have to pedal them really quite hard. That's it. That's the issue. That's the core of the issue. Where it comes back to is that us podgy humans can't really keep up with. We can't really keep up with these cars and have a connected driving experience. So we See, have to give too a powerful, bit. Then aren't they? That's yeah. That... Yeah. A hundred percent. Bring back a naturally aspirated
0: inline six three liter manual BMW Estate, please. That oh, would be preach it, sister. Yeah, that would be. I don't. I mean, I still couldn't afford it. <laughs> but that would be more appealing
1: yeah but again no one's buying it and the, pro- the problem is is i think you know, we're in horsepower wars have just continued they've been they've been around for years now each car is bigger louder faster loaded with more tech than the last do you
0: think we're peaking though now or do you think because
1: do you not realistically is it is going to become range wars I mean, range was horsepower. Yeah, but range isn't sexy. And I definitely don't think we're peaking because all these electric cars are packing ridiculous amounts of performance. And they've got the Ranger. Take the Lucid, for example. I think Lucid's fastest saloon has 1,100 horsepower. You know, the Plaid S, Model S, the Plaid Model S, sorry, has in excess of 1,000 horsepower. I mean, EVs... Yeah, two sticks the brakes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) EVs have just, like, they've Come into the horsepower wars, and you know this M this M three in respect of EVs in this marketplace is bringing a knife to a gunfight. The horsepower wars have just started, if you think about it, with the electric vehicles on you know onset.
0: Yeah, but they got that goes back to my point. What what where is the appeal for someone driving this? That if the target market. I don't. We're I not don't. the
1: target market. We're no, target. I know
0: we're not. But if the the person who's buying this, who who wants an auto, wants four wheel drive, wants the performance, but realistically isn't going to go out early on a Sunday and hoon around in it, how does this win out against an a, a decent EV?
1: Because EVs, I think, at least it's it's hard to say for the people who are in this marketplace because we are not one of them. But an EV is still boring. Yet. No, but an even well, EV is still. I, I think they still. I don't think we're giving sometimes manufacturers enough credit because I honestly think James, we would both get into the driver's seat of this car. We would take it across the Pennines and we get out and we go, holy moly, that is a really special car. And whether they, whether it was with the manual box with the the lower performance spec, which is what, like 450 horsepower, you know, even if we, ch- if, if we got the opportunity to, to customize it exactly how we did in our vision and then we drove that versus this, this stock version, I reckon we'd get out, and A, we wouldn't tell a great deal of difference, and B, we'd be astounded by this car. Whereas, I just don't feel like it would be the same if you take a, you know, an electric competitor.
0: Uh yeah, we'd have to if we can arrange that kind of test. <laughs> exactly, BMW, get us on the phone. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so anything else before we? I think we round off the M3.
1: No, no. Other than let's let's celebrate the fact that that it's here.
0: But as in, uh, no, I meant as in. Um, How much does it cost? When can I buy it? Can I buy it now?
1: Oh, I mean, it costs too much because it's £80,550 and it goes into production this November um, with order books opening in September. So, who knows with the supply crisis going on, you might get yours in dealerships in 2029. Yeah, yeah, they didn't say which year, did they? Oh, no, did
0: they say this September? (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Uh, So, actually, close this off. You've got eighty thousand pounds to spend, Lee. You need a practical, everyday car. Mm-hmm. Do you spend it on an M3 touring? Absolutely not. Oh, that was. I thought I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were gonna go the other way on this because you seem quite up for an M3.
1: We Did said you, you wanted an M3. Can we caveat this for a second? Actually, well, I, I'll answer my question again if I need to. Does this need to be a new car? does it need to be a new car.
0: It has to be reliable so what would you define uh, sorry you have to it, has to, it has to the the expectation of being reliable so i'm going to say no more than 15 years old no 10 years old let's go 10 years old just bear with me
1: while i google something the jensen
0: interceptor is older than 10 years old lee
1: no 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 this this is a, a, a genuine competitor to the, to the car and period so i'm not trying to go too far off book here um, but I'm just checking if the generation I want still in play in 2012. So this is a really tense moment. I really, I hope really hope you come play. back with an Octavia VRS so I can. Oh, it's so annoying! It wasn't. I was gonna go for the oh, oh, it's 2011. Maybe I would. Oh, 2012. Yeah. So I would have gone for the 2012 C63 AMG Estate. Yeah, you can have that. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, one hundred percent naturally aspirated. Probably the same amount. Of, uh, it was probably if you got the five hundred seven versions, you were packing about five hundred brake horsepower. They were seven speed autos once they were facelifted. But if I'm going new, then actually, in fairness, I am getting this M three. I'm going. I think
0: new. It, it, credit to the M, the new M three. The interior, mm. I think, of that generation of Merc has not aged well. Disgusting. It is abysmal. Whereas this comes with. I think the equivalent of an IMAX doesn't it on the dashboard, or yeah, can do, I don't know if it's standard. I,
1: I, to be honest, again this is just as a rounding off statement about actually a joking aside with this Mercedes, I'd buy this Mercedes purely for the engine, I think in every conceivable way the M3 would be so much better, not just because of the passage of time, but it, like, I just think it actually is an everyday car it'd be, it would just be better, there's no other words for it, but you okay. know, with Petroheads, 6.2 litre V8, how can you go wrong?
0: I, if this was my everyday car, uh, I would definitely be looking at an electric alternative. Uh, I know that's sacrilege, uh, but the more the more I time is progressing with me, I I, I think my dream car my, not my dream car, my free car garages, electric car with massive range, uh, hot hatch for for fun road trips, and a classic car for like my hobby slash pooling
1: around it. That's where I'm at. Luck sucks for you.
0: What that? Why does that suck no, for me? No, move on
1: to the next story. I've had enough of this electric nonsense propaganda.
0: <laughs> but fuel prices, bro. Right, okay, actually, moving on to the next story, an electric car story. So, uh... Well, let me tell you what it is first, and then you can boo. So there's a company called Electrogenic, which is a UK specialist at converting classic cars to electric power, and it's launched a conversion kit for the previous generation Land Rover Defender. So basically, they get, you get an electric motor. It bolts onto the old, well, the, the existing clutch bell housing. So you re- retain the original gearbox. You get a fifty-two kilowatt-hour battery pack, which should translate to a range of over a hundred miles. Although, they do say that if you're using it as like a farm, not like a as a farm vehicle, and a lot of stop-start shunting around kind of driving, you should get a bit more range than that. Um, the kit is expected to cost twenty-four grand plus VAT. And Electrogenic claim that you can save around £6,000 a year in fuel if you switch the electric. So it should pay for itself in four years. And I did try and work that out backwards as to what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it that it means you have to travel around eighteen to 19,000 miles a year for the maths to hold up. Which seems like a lot if you're doing them in 100-mile stints. Yes. <laughs> uh, but what do you think of just generally converting electric car to, uh,
1: classic cars to electric? I think there are plenty of more than acceptable applications for it. This being one of them, I think, you know, I don't think anyone's ever been in a Defender and gone, my word, that powertrain is something special. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I, I quite the opposite. They've probably gotten in and gone, oh my God, this thing is either very slow incredibly agricultural power delivery so uh, yeah i think there's there's certainly a place for it and even if you think of you know the defender in its and its work environment you know electric motors loads of torque what do you want when you're off-roading loads of torque what do you want when you're towing loads of torque so i i think I'm, i'm quite on board with this i mean but both from just a theoretical perspective and from personal experience so okay. i think it's, it's uh, yeah i mean i've i've been in a i think it was a 40th anniversary edition defender three and a half liter rover v8 nice here's me thinking that would equate to some performance <laughs> i can't even imagine what the slower versions were like and the... It, the idea of adding some refinement to this car is amazing because that i think a defender this might sound offensive to so many people it's one of the Worst cars I've ever been in, and that's using the definition of a car of just getting you to A and B, getting you from A to B, sorry, in relative comfort.
0: Okay, right. So, let's see you get across the field in relative comfort in a three series Citroën mm-hmm. 2CV, bro. Sorry, sorry. So, you're going to tell me that you would regard a Citroën 2CV as overall a better A to B car than a Defender?
1: if I have to transport eggs. <laughs> no.
0: Um, I get what you're saying, no, but no. But on the subject, what was it you were just talking about? If we circle back to before we were talking about being a good car. Co- oh, refinement. Mm. This, this, I, I feel like you're being a bit generous to this pack because it's going to be the same
1: car but with extra weight. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you, you know what it's like when you've got a powertrain that it feels like it's just been like taken wholesale from a tractor. Yeah, that that's true. But the 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 performance figures that they're claiming aren't
0: aren't huge for this. So it's not like you're going to just be able to leave it in third and waft around. It's I think they're saying it's about 120 brake horsepower and 235 newton meters of torque,
1: oh, which is quite modest. That's very weedy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but like you say, you get all the torque straight away. Yeah, that's but it true. just yeah, it doesn't seem doesn't seem huge. Um, so what do you think about the value of that as a because 52 kilowatt hours as a battery pack that's that's not quite as much as stuff like the longer range high end Icona, but it's better than I think the Nissan around or is it better? Is it around the Nissan the extended Nissan Leaf version? So it's not, it's not, a, it's not amazing, is it? Battery size,
1: but it's not horrendous. Well, I know, an anticipated range of 100 miles is pretty That's, poor, yes, and, is. Uh, and I say that taking on the the psyche of the the, you know the current population and their views on the electric vehicle because the second you tick into double digits i think that is the cause for fear for people and (laughs) no it is seriously you know that take the honda for example i remember when i was part of the team and you know i played a very small part in just helping them launch it on uh, some of the uk media and the guys that i was just speaking to that were coming back some of their comments. It's pretty scary when it ticks under 100 miles, and this was a car that had 124 oh. mile range.
0: I see what you mean. I thought you meant as in when the official range was in double digits. You mean when you're driving in the range collector? Yeah. Center. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, so, yeah, that's Just, yeah range that, that, anxiety. Yeah. It but, it, but it's quite hard to I think get, wrap your head around the actual application. Like Honda, I think I don't know if Honda said it directly or the reviews I read about it is it's not designed for. Big long journeys, is it? This isn't that they've not designed this for. This is nipping to the pub, um, pulling around town. It's, it, I think, feel like it's almost for people which have the uh Defender as a Chelsea tractor, yeah, and have gone actually, let's just swap out the inside. Like, instead of going and spending 80 grand on a new Defender, we'll spend 24 grand, swap out the um, swap out the the engine for an electric
1: gubbins. Yeah, no, potentially, potentially. I, I, Like I said, I think it, it certainly has its place. Although, I mean, I think quoting that you might have to do, again, I know this is based on your back of napkin math, but yes. the idea of doing 19,000 miles a year in a Defender sounds like some sort of judicial sentence, because <laughs> that would be horrendous. Eighteen to 19,000 miles a year in that. No, thank you. Not at all. The um, I wonder whether you
0: can... Because like, I sure, obviously you won't, won't be able to stall it I'm wondering whether for town driving whether you can just leave it in second and put so, around with it like that
1: uh, sorry yeah I've, I've just missed quite a significant thing here so you can still use the gears yeah the original gearbox stays I can't so basically, quite to, get go on sorry
0: so imagine your engine and is bolted and at the back of it you've got your gearbox bolted to it unbolt the engine put an electric motor there that's what the that's what this kit does okay um
1: okay fine that's, but that's again, quite you'd, strange yeah you would have thought that would help with range wouldn't you yeah, well, I, I, I honestly don't know because I'm I'm still just wrapping my head around this because I know you've talked about the idea of d- designing uh, an electric car with a gearbox. Yes. Like just, I, I know we've seen it before, but not with a manual because I know the Taycan has got a two-speed gearbox.
0: But- my electric car with a gearbox idea, I think, is you would need, let's say, oh, I don't know, 100, 150 brake horsepower and maybe 250 newton, newton metres of torque and you could if you were town driving you just stick it in seconds and you won't have to you basically got an auto but as soon as you want to go out of town and you could even have selectable modes you could do whatever you could well you could do whatever you wanted you could you could have it so it had the same power as the original golf gti you could have it so that it 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 had a red line like um old DC type two. R's. yeah dc2 uh i i just need someone to Someone with the technical knowledge, resources, and manufacturing capability to go. Actually, James, that's a great idea. Here's a massive lump sum for you to help project manage the delivery. Yeah, well, you will keep looking. Maybe TVRs investors will get bored once the car that's just coming out the out the factory in ten years' time um, doesn't arrive. <laughs> what, what a shame! What a shame! But that that's a story for another day. Okay, so question for you: You've got a you've got a defender as it is. It's probably let's say it's worth thirty five grand. You can either chop it in thirty five grand and go out buy going out sorry go out and buy another large SUV for that money. Maybe you get yourself a second hand Discovery because they're pretty big, um, mm-hmm. or you go and spend twenty four thousand pounds on this kit. What do you do?
1: Depends what you're doing. I, again, it, it doesn't. It doesn't hold great appeal off the cuff for me. I think it depends what you're doing, depends how you're applying it. I, I, it's difficult to say I just don't, I don't need a defender in my life or an old defender in my life. I should say I definitely need a new defender in my life because they're very cool. Really? Um, yeah, I just like them. I did, you know, if I had to have a Chelsea tractor at the moment, there's a good chance it'd be one of those. Until I'm I can sure I double my them budget them and then go for G sixty three. But away from that yeah i'm i'm kind of indifferent towards the concept i'd I'd be really i'd be really interested to see it a in in a work application to see if actually people go you know my defender's getting a bit tired i'd like to see what this is like and B just to see what it's like to drive a a manual electric vehicle i think that's just a really interesting concept in itself so i'm not adverse to it because i don't really think i've got enough of a Imagination nor nor authority. What I do on most things to 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 be neither here nor there on it. What okay. about you? I do
0: not like the idea of this. I think I would. I think for the size of the battery to range, and I know it's not a th- the official. They've not given official figures yet, but I, I guess they maybe won't put it through WLTP testing. Um I just think that it's disappointing. Uh, I know it's a big four by four, but then. Uh, Maybe that's a conflict in my mind of going. Well, it's better than them just running around in old fuel-hungry engines. But then, if you're only doing a hundred miles, if like if if the range of a hundred miles is fine, then do you need? Um, like, is 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 that as big of a problem for the environment if you've got the existing car, and you're only doing small mileages, and also if you're aiming it at the kind of people who are just punding around a farm all the time, you'd think it was plugging in would be
1: impractical. But yeah, yeah.
0: I, 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 just, I think, I get, I, I get, like, converting something like an MGB or maybe a, a, a sports car where you're actually poodling around towns. But as now I'm saying this, I, yeah, you know, these are out of town cars, Land Rover de- Defenders. That if they're not, if they're not being driven in town, I don't get it. If they are being driven in town, the range is so small that you can't then do the big family trips. Um, so it's either all for show or. Potentially commercial. I think, Lee, I think what we can summarise here is I'm a little
1: bit confused about this. Yeah, I think we both are. I think we both are. But what I'm not confused about is everyone go on the internet, open up your browser, type in N-E-N-E space Overland. I found a Devender converter who just does LS swaps. So that's the answer.
0: <laughs> so what? N-E-N-E Overland? Mm-hmm, hmm They're based in Peterborough.
1: Yeah, they do LS swaps. It says they do up to seven hundred brake horsepower Defender LS swaps. Damn, that is terrifying and awesome.
0: Ooh. I mean, what a horrendous
1: Ooh. thing that would probably be to drive, but they're very cool.
0: They are cool. They put a roll. These look like. These remind me of. Did you ever watch the Tomb Raider film with Lara Croft? I did. I did. That that um... I guess it was a one ten pickup she had. That, it was that exactly. kind of the first. It was basically it was grey. I think it might have had black wheels. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. But it had. I'm sure it had an exterior roll cage and the kind of adventure gear stuff. One mm. of the ones on here kind of reminds
1: me of that. Anyway, anyway, that's what you need to do with your Defender. If you're thinking about what to do with it, and you're tossing up between electrifying it with a 120 brake horsepower motor, or you have the option of putting in a five-plus liter born-and-bred American V8 that can turn out up to 700 brake horsepower, you know, it's worth cross-shopping them.
0: Yeah, maybe don't do the pros and cons list, because I think the V8 will have a couple of very subjective pros and then a couple of not insignificant cons. Precisely. But anyway, just
1: worth tossing up.
0: Yeah, I like that. Thank you for the contribution. And we'll now move on to our last story, uh, which is about Persia. So Peugeot has officially revealed the new 408. It's based on the EMP2 platform, which underlines a whole host of cars in the Peugeot, Citroën, DS, Vauxhall. I feel like I'm missing another brand. We're missing.
1: Citroën, did you say? Said Citroën. Okay.
0: I'm sure I'm missing one, but nope. So it underlines a bunch of cars in those brands. And the 408 is is basically, it's a raised up five-door hatchback with quite a large hatchback boot opening Uh, it's going to launch as in to be available to order and stuff in early 2023 Um, all models are going to be automatics there'll be two plug-in hybrids to start with and one pure petrol model um and i I think i believe Peugeot have confirmed there will be an all-electric model at some point now the reason i've included this car this weekly is because i happen to know you're quite a big fan on paper release of the old 408 specifically the V6 model and i just wanted to get your how sad are you that they're not doing a similar thing to what the old 408 of old was
1: i've just opened the story for the first time and scroll through the pictures and with each with each click to the next photo i've just become more and more depressed <laughs> that is such a disappointing, disgusting-looking car. I think I, I quite like the face, to be honest. I think you know the, the, the Peugeot corporate face in the moment is quite cool. Again, in the context of modern times, where everything's a bit over raw. Yeah, inside, I don't like
0: the three hundred eight though. I'm. I think the three hundred eight looks a bit odd.
1: fair, but in, this thing inside profile is awful. Can like,
0: I throw something out there before we get? Stuck into it, it being awful. Yeah. Um, I think the wheels are quite funky. They look, to describe them to someone, it, it's like they've got, there's a lot of material there, isn't there? And they've kind of, would you say it's like a zigzag that's across the. Yeah. It's like I, a I, black zigzag. It,
1: it's some sort of zigzag. I mean, we'll put my, pictures
0: up on Instagram.
1: Yeah. My eyes go elsewhere. I mean, it just. For standard design principles, it just goes away from the keep it simple because there's a crease here, there's a dropping line there, a raising on here, a lowering on here. Junctions when about eight different panels meet at different heights, it's, it's so sad. I, again, it's a brand who's got great kudos and reverence for designing cool. But different cars; they haven't necessarily gone down the same trodden path and been, you know, the, the German conservatism that we've seen from, you know, you like BMW and Audi. But this is just horrible, uh, you know. I'm, I'm not. I, I I like the 408 just because it was a bit different, and I like I like what Peugeot have done with the 508 recently. I think the 208 is a great looking car, but unfortunately, this is just Peugeot in fairness to them being pulled down the same path as every other manufacturer, which is to making these absolutely horrendous looking SUV come coupes that there is no happy marry point where when they've managed to reconcile those two body styles into something that looks remotely acceptable.
0: Well, it's funny. You should say a couple of points. I'm going to kind of work Unpick from that. the beginning. Yeah. So being dragged down the route like other manufacturers, Although I don't think Persia was saying it is based on it, I think it's very it reminds me a lot of the Citroen C5X. Which is a kind a kind of crossovery, hatchbacky, slightly raised up, slightly sleek car, but I'm assuming they probably share a fair amount of engineering, being that they're the same company. Um so yeah, you are right. There's a lot of people out there doing these kind of coupé SUVs, and I while I, I I agree with you that I hate them because not hate hates is strong no no I do hate them no, you I do, do hate them, them. you do yeah, I do I do hate them I I I going back to the M three we were talking about earlier about me not understanding about where the the drive is for someone to buy that car over an an equally nuts Tichen I don't understand the motivation for buying this car I don't understand why you'd go. Right, I don't want an estate or a hatchback because I think I want a high-riding car because it's a bit more practical because it's easier to get into. But actually, I want it to be less practical because I don't want to be able to put stuff in the boot very easily. So yeah, and I also like styling, which is a bit awkward. So that sounds like something. Does anyone sell that? And, And there are a lot of them out there, and people buy them.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean, just as a side note, I just brought up the Citroen C5 X, and if they are telling themselves that it's not based on that, they're kidding themselves because it's exactly the same body shape, <laughs> it, yeah. identical. I, I'd like to say, like James, if I was to you know install you in you know name X enter dealership of a manufacturer, whoever it might be, they're all reselling some car of some form like this, and you know the smaller size, larger size, midsize, what have you. Yeah. I don't think either of us could capably sell this car. Somebody said, "What are the USPs of this car?" Because there's nothing to it. that's this unique. You don't go, you know, when you talk about an estate versus a saloon, you say practicality. If you talk about a coupe, not that the body style necessarily offers it, but it intimates the fact that it would be of a sportier nature. There are there are you know inherent qualities that generally speaking you can attach to a certain body style. I I, I don't know what the point of this niche is, but. The problem is and we mentioned this about the m3 it's like we, we don't actually understand the market of the buyer because the ms the x6 which is genesis of all evil is is this is where it came from this is just this is like the you know the the aftershock of the ms the x6 sorry this is what it spawned from that was the first car that came with this incredibly awkward concept and it, it's still here and i i don't know why as you say like who, who who is you know putting down on paper the things they want from a car and netting out at you know a C5X or this Peugeot five? are
0: we looking at it are we looking at it wrongly is it is it not maybe it's not first choice maybe it's the best of the bad situation like if you were to make a note down of go for let's say you you're looking at it and going i know an suv's what not know you think an suv's comfy you think it's more practical you think it makes your life easier because it's easier to get in and out of so you go yeah it's got that great things what are the downsides um well it might be slightly less economical but then again are, are people necessarily 100% aware of like if if it's just a couple of mpg is like well does that really matter possibly not do they do they do they go either? starting's a bit awkward, but the positives outweigh. It. Are we are we looking at it from the wrong point of view? In that the the way people are getting to the decision of buying the SUV coupe is not that is the car I definitely want to buy. But it of all the the cars out there, the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. Does that make sense? I don't feel like I've made as much sense as I, I set out. I think, out I think in there. a
1: roundabout way, you're saying it actually probably ticks. It ticks a lot of boxes. Um, without being the perfect recipe or formula. Yeah, so people get them. I I, I understand that. And and if we look at other manufacturers that have have brought cars to market with that approach, then we need to not look any further than the hot hatch because anyone who buys a hot hatch, ultimately, they don't want to buy a hatchback. They want to go out and they want to buy a Porsche 911, Ferrari, F8, what have you? Any any sorts of sports uh, car? Which practically I, I don't speaking. want that. No, but if you had an unlimited amount of money, you're not going to choose to buy. If you can buy one car, you're not going to go and choose to buy a hot hatch. I would. So you're for telling me for or, for, your or, every, for, okay. for whatever you want, like it, but you can only have one car forevermore. So you're gonna you can drive other stuff, but like this is the car that you're gonna own. You're telling me that you're going to limit your, you're going to limit your imagination and be incredibly practical and go out and it's not buy limiting it. my imagination, Lee. Yeah,
0: but just, it is no. What do you mean it's limited? You, you've sorry. Your imagination is two of the. You've picked a brand which is most uh, most known for making fast cars, and the Porsche 911. It's like the the least amount of imagination possible for going out and buying a fun car.
1: Okay, fine. Like you can go out and buy what you want, whether you know it's an Alpine A110, whether it's yeah, not buy it. I'm, If no, I'm getting
0: I, one car, how am I going to get my fridge back from Currys in the back of an Alpine A110.
1: Yeah, but this is the point. You you have those are compromised cars, and do you want? But surely, as a purist petrol head, you don't care about if you have to compromise and make you know make exceptions to be a bit stupid because that's the point. Like I want. I know if I buy a 911, is it practical? No. Is it fuel efficient? No. Are there many better cars I could buy for most occasions? One hundred percent. But actually, I just want it and I love it. But realistically speaking as many people suffer they have to make these compromises but if you don't why would you hot hatches i love them you know that but they exist to fill up to fill a void where people are going well i have to make a compromise i want some performance but i need some practicality in my life
0: no i i i, I stick by my i like a hot hatch because it it's not a compromise it's it's a uh it's well designed for the for the needs that if I was if I was going out to get a track car and I was getting a hot hatch, I'd go, yeah, that's that's not the right choice. You, you get a catering or you get a Lotus or something. But to go, I want a fast car to use every day. I don't look at a as a hot hatch as a compromise.
1: If you had, but if you had an unlimited amount of money and you had to use a car every day, why would you not go and buy a? Why would you not go and buy a BMW M5?
0: because i just i don't i don't see the need for that much power i just i don't i don't get why i'd need that much power I, but, but i i said way back when we when we first started speaking today it's, like let, it's, let, it's the the corners for me and like I, I don't i don't okay, see, okay. have the, i get hey. that
1: let me revise that then okay so why, why don't you go out and you could buy yourself you you can design your perfect sports car which i mean for me at least it would be something like probably and evora you know go back something like that small Six cylinders, get a manual gearbox. It's not going to be too powerful, which I know isn't your version, and I, I, I 100% respect that. Mm-hmm. But this, this and then itself, this solves all of those problems. This is a car with more imagination, and it's going to be a better car to drive than a hot hatch because it's not been designed with the inherent compromises. Because every hot hatch is compromised because it's built on a platform that isn't necessarily designed for performance. It's designed first and foremost for practicality.
0: You're, you're making a a, a
1: huge
0: mistake in that Lee that you're assuming that the level of driving or driving skill that I have is to the point where I would get more enjoyment from an Avora than I would from a Fiesta ST.
1: Taking but the I, lease, then taking the lease like that is a low powered sports car. But
0: no, the, no I'm the, not, not, I'm not really talking about power here, but like the amount of enjoyment I can get from an ST, from the amount of enjoyment I could get from. Any other car they I, I, I get how I get how something could be sweet sweeter handling and because uh, that's the difference between like the st and maybe driving around in a VW polo I get the sweeter handling point but the hot hatches like the st they they handle so well they they've got more than enough power for the road uh, one one thing I will give it a markdown for is the sound they don't sound awesome they sound they sound fun. But they don't sound awesome. But then I think a lot of new cars have that problem because of the emissions side of things, which you can't do anything about. Um, and but also for me, it's not driving by myself. Great, yeah, that's fun. It has a time and a place. Love it. But some of the stuff I do, which is to do with driving, there might be a group of friends going, and yeah, I can take one of them in the Evora, and if everyone else has got fun cars. But sometimes it's you, know, you might have more people to take, or you might be take you might be going. Might be going for to the lakes and most do some biking. It's, I, 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 yeah, that for me, it's if if I have one car, I don't see the hot hatch as a compromise, I see it as the as a, as a as
1: a perfect solution. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess we'll somewhat be at odds with that. I mean, I would like to add the disclaimer that I, I do like, I like you, I'm a massive hot hatch fan as in i I genuinely believe uh, and sadly so that i will never own a better car than my fk civic type r that's more probably a reflection on where i'll be in life rather than than well not rather than the type R because that was a fantastic car (laughs) yeah but no i I, I, yeah i know maybe maybe i'm just being a bit a bit too childish and indulgent but anyway anyway i don't know how we got onto this i I think slowly spun off from this
0: I think if it things. was a three car garage or a two car garage and you're saying to me money's no object, that would be a different discussion. I, like but for for the everyday, that's where that's where I'm at. But yes, moving on. Have we got to the end of what were we talking? We were talking about the Peugeot. How far yeah. we've moved away. So just to round that off, uh we don't have prices for it yet. Um, oh, one thing that I should have mentioned actually, the plug in hybrids, they've not confirmed official range, but as other Peugeot models can do, I think high thirties 30s- 30 miles, they, they expect similar from this. Um, so would you buy uh, this, say, well, let's say a plug-in hybrid 308. Would you Would you pick something like this over that? Or, sorry, 508, because I think it will sit in the
1: range between the 508 and the 3008, I think. I mean, absolutely not. 508 is a good-looking car. You can get yeah, a 508 estate, which is nice, and the the um the high-performance one—I forget the name of it—but that's packing about four hundred brake horsepower once it's uh once it's all up. So no, I I, I just think it's a bit of a shame that it's a really quite unattractive car. Because as I said, I don't think I think Peugeot for a while now have been have been pretty good with their uh, their design language they've produced some very pleasant looking cars but this unfortunately does does not follow suit but i I will concede that i actually think that 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 that, the range they claim 30 miles for a hybrid is pretty good i think that's Mm. that's even in respect of what most journeys are i think that um my, my brother and his his other half have just bought a hybrid and it is a new defender which is pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> really excited to go in it because I'm still a child. But again, I think they were talking to someone who owns one because they were trying to just get a bit of a user experience to guide whether or not it was the car for them. And the guy they spoke to doesn't do a great deal of miles, but he says he's only filled it up, I think, once in the last. Two months and he does a fair amount of driving, but it's all fairly that's local. Nice. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, he plugs it in every single night, and you know, he doesn't do more than thirty miles in a day. So the 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 times that the engine are kicking in are few and far between. And it's, it will probably be under hard acceleration and, and heavy throttle loads, but other than that, you can puttle around on on EV power. And that's one of the times I go. Yes, this this does make a lot of sense. So that's at least one positive we can uh, we can put to this that, that this thing.
0: Of... That kind of makes the um, electrogenic conversion kit seem better, doesn't it, in terms of the range that we were worried about. Um, but the Peugeot, I agree with you. Nah, it's not even on it's not even on the top a hundred of potential practical, family ish cars for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, what are people going to look think about that when they look back in 50 years and someone comes across that? Because now when you come across like a rogue French car, you go, that's probably quite cool. Like, for example, I I saw a, a Renault time recently. I have not Ooh. seen one of those in, in so long. And while I was with a few people that were cooing at it, which should tell you about I was with some incredible car nerds. <laughs> While there were some people that cooing at it, I thought, that's disgusting. But at least it was an interesting concept, and they tried to do something very radical. There's nothing radical about this. This is just you know, beating the same drums as everyone else and playing out a horrible tune. Will this be the our generation's Austin Allegra of this type of car? Oh, I don't know. There are so many of them, Is the problem that they all just merge into one. Yeah. I, I really, I I know i said it before, but I do not know how we've come from the x 6 to this, where there are every manufacturer is making at least two, three of these SUV coupes, they are just the strangest things out there.
0: I think, it, especially the premium brands. I think people like Renault and Citroen are only just getting on board, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of whether or not there was a way to make Genesis an X six one word Gen Genesis Gen X six.
1: Does that work? Genesis. Yeah, I feel like that just about works. Genesis yeah, it is. It is the root of all automotive evil. <laughs> just go back and look at it. It's disgusting. I,
0: oh, I, I know full well it's disgusting.
1: It, it makes the KN look quite tasteful. I'm talking about the original, the original KN, <laughs> which I think is impressive because the original KN was generic SUV with a 911 that had backed into it at 400 miles an hour at the front end. Which do you think
0: which is, do you think's worse, the original KN or the original Panamera?
1: <laughs> I think the original Panamera. Again, that was yeah, it another was terrible. Was, it was a really hateful looking thing. Yeah. I, mean, I quite like the current generation, but Lord knows what they were doing over there. When you look at what the Taycan looks like now, you go, "How on earth did that leave the Stuttgart yeah, Someone got fired, them? didn't they? <laughs> I hope <laughs> a lot of people is. got fired for that. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, I think that brings news, news to a close. Um, and we, if you're ready, we'll mosey on over to Mystery Car of the Week.
1: Let's take a trip down that hateful lane.
0: So, if this is the first time you're listening, Mystery Car of the Week works like this. One of us has picked a car, so this is a specific make, model, and body style that we came across during the past weeks while dreaming slash drooling over the classifieds. We're going to drip feed the other presenter five clues, plus the starter hint we had at the beginning of the show, to see how quickly they can guess the mystery car. We invite you to play along do you guess correctly and or whether you beat the host either through instagram or the poll associated with the pod if you're listening on spotify that is um if the host guesses the car before the end of the clues we'll insert a no so subtle horn over their guess so not to spoil the game for yourselves are you ready lee yes i think so so beginning the show you had a little clue which is these cars are movie stars or Mm -hmm. this car is a movie star do you want to have another guess you guessed vw beetle
1: before Just there are so many obvious ones. There's, I, th- I think, was it the um, the, the charger or the challenger that was generally in why? Well, Do you know the name of the film? I'm thinking about the one where he
0: drove, it was basically just him driving.
1: Mm, no, um, oh god, they did a remake of it a few years ago, Dukes of Hazard. Oh, all right, okay, no, no, no it's it obviously not that. Then thinking, saying on the American films. Thinking of Smokey and the Bandit with Bert Reynolds. He oh. had a... he's bound down. Load it up and trucking and... up, <laughs> Yeah, that was a great song. Jerry, Jerry Reed. Um, and they had in that. Oh my God, now I'm forgetting the car. This is very bad. My memory's going.
0: I think I. I think you you you're on the right lines of I think of, um, how well recognized they are, but you're a bit way off on the the car. Okay. So I'm going to give you clue number one to try and nudge you in the right direction. Please. Which, if you don't get it from this... I'm... But no, actually, no, I'm not going to say that because I said that last week and... Uh, it's, <laughs> Five it's clues top. later. Yeah. <laughs> um, so clue number one, and these are quite short clues this week, it is supercharged.
1: I'm... I don't want to send myself down the wrong path. It must be American. Um, supercharged, supercharged. I feel like if it's supercharged, it's probably something out of the something out of the Dodge or Chevrolet, come Corvette stable. Do you want another clue? Yeah,
0: it's a hatchback. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay it's a hatchback a supercharged hatchback oh, god that's really throwing me off course because i'm now going way off book here with talking about i'm thinking of like um was it the corollas they did the t189 the t-sport corollas not that that would be i've noticed that from any film um, to be fair, that was used in both Mamma Mia films, I think. <laughs> That's a good bit of trivia knowledge. It's obviously not going to be a Yarish GRMN. Um, I mean, gosh. do you watch much Japanese cinema? don't watch much Japanese
0: cinema. For the GRMN? GRMN? If you no, choose a lot. no, I don't. Oh, for oh. God's sake. So Are you guessing like... the, the Toyotas, I guess? No,
1: no, no, no. no. not no, even no, going to no.
0: guess it, That's just in it. case. No, it's definitely not. There's not even trying to point it sure. into it. Hundred percent. Are you going to kick yourself and get to into this? And it's from some niche just, Japanese. It, it's not. You said it was what, well known, so it's what, not. What was that? Um, yeah, in circus, certain circles. Um, what was the? What was that cartoon thing you used to watch
1: that was about oh, JDM stars? Initial D. That is an unbelievable TV show for combining what, at times, you suspect might be hentai porn with cars <laughs> it's not obviously it's actually incredibly I, I promise, nerdy Mom,
0: it's not <laughs> i know
1: it looks worse than it is it's, it's so nerdy they'll talk about they'll introduce the um Obviously, the generation they'll talk about like they'll go talk about the eg6 honda civic and the fact that it has a b16 engine and you just go oh my god this is so cool and, and in reality it's so nerdy but that was one of the best things i've watched uh, okay four a g engine
0: did they have any hot uh, hot hatches in that
1: yeah, they had a EG6 Civic. They had a few other bits and pieces. It's want, good. You... It's really good. Honestly, I'd recommend watching it as a good pastime. But okay. I am struggling here, so I'm going to need to be served another clue regrettably.
0: Okay, clue number three. Questionable reliability. From where I'm sadly, there is but one car this is.
1: Supercharged hatchback. I really feel like there are so few cars that fall into that. Um, do you want clue number four? Because
0: I think clue number four narrows it down to
1: so few cars. A supercharged hatchback. Come on, Lee. I've this gone. is really bad. I know. Like, I don't, I really don't want to know what it is. I, I'm, I'm breaking up. Oh. Oh, God, the connection's going. <laughs> um, Clue four? Supercharged hatchback. Supercharged hatchback.
0: Do you remember when you were like, oh, well... When I, was I probably love this car because I love
1: anything that's supercharged as well. Yes, I know. It's podcasting yeah, oh,
0: black. you shouting at it, going, oh, I can't believe you can't get it. And now I'm sat here. Like, wait, wait, on, wait, wait,
1: wait. Supercharged hatchback.
0: No, they weren't supercharged
1: no i'm not I'm, I'm not i definitely wouldn't do that that's their um so just thinking like what's been supercharged because there's the 1.8 litre toyota engine that's been supercharged they said yeah, that's in is. the corolla t-sport there's that it's not yeah. that no it's not that you're right um what else has been supercharged well oh, this is obviously not this i know they did the we did twin charged super Micra back in the day? Can't remember the exact name, but it's not that. Why do I remember that but nothing else? Um,
0: I don't know. I don't know. But that's a bit of a red flag for our friendship.
1: Very cool. Oh, that was that was seriously cool. What else has been? It's not necessarily twin charged. It's the volvos. They did. They were super charged. Can I interest you in another clue? <sighs>
0: yes. Serve me that embarrassing clue. So this one's tongue in cheek. Okay. Okay. So. Depending on who you ask from the Petrolhead community, the car was either 1% Rover or 99% Rover. Holy,
1: how have you not got this? Oh no. Rover or 99% Rover. Well, it's not a a Z, uh, what they call the ZRs no you do supercharge version one of those one percent reward or 99 i can't
0: believe you've not got this lee i i genuinely i might oh, is no
1: oh sorry it's just all come flowing back to me this is really quite sad what oh, do you think it is i know what it is yes how do
0: you not get that questionable reliable questionable reliability. Actually, I know. I know. Uh,
1: but... I I was just going too rogue because do you know what when 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 you went through the clues when you offered the clue, the first clue at the top of the podcast?
0: Maybe... Oh, oh no, actually, sorry. Before because because um, we'll have just played a horn. Let me just give the last clue and then we'll continue. So that, okay, we don't we don't lose track. So the last clue, if anyone's not got it, is that these cars have an actual functioning bonnet scoop, so that sucks the air through. But I guess that's kind of part of being so super supercharged. But I feel like it's one of the defining features of the car. Um, and for anyone that did not get the car up until that point, it is an R fifty three mini Cooper
1: S. Um Yeah, I'm sad that I didn't get that quicker, especially as it's a car that remains as a saved search for my Auto Trader preset list.
0: How cheap would one have to be? How what scenario, sorry, would it have to be for you to buy one? <laughs>
1: If in like the next year or two, I've got, I, I really am just desperate to buy something which I'd quite like to. I figure I would, but I think it's a car that probably warrants you trying to spend towards the top of the market, based on the fact that I think it will probably hold its value quite well because they're not expensive to start with. And you're so, hoping I, it won't break down every four feet. Yeah, but I reckon if you if you don't do lots of miles, I think it's probably okay. It's probably I one think... of those cars where they've got lots of fixes as well for the foibles. Yeah, I,
0: I think you just have to be prepared to put the work in, or pay someone to do the work on them, because they're not. Yeah, they they have, they have common issues, like the I know the um the tops of where the suspension or the the strut tops. Yeah, basically, yeah. they can deform over time because they're so firm. If you go over a big enough pothole, they start to kind of mm. um, bend out of place. But you can But like you say, there are fixes. You can buy stuff like strengthening plates. Um, but yeah. So, but cool cars. I would like to have one as well at some point, but it's the running costs which grab me is horrendous. I think we move on to any other business. We shall. We shall. So, any other business? First part, we've had some feedback from a listener. Um, and the listener was Lee Sucks. And that was from a one Hetesh pal.
1: <laughs> Fair. Respect, Hetesh. Uh... <laughs> I
0: I think he maybe took umbrage to your comments on his mystery car skills. But... Well,
1: at least he can very fairly <laughs> feedback exactly the same feedback that I gave him. Lee, It'll no, be well
0: placed for it. I will not have that because, as we have said before, Hatesh has admitted to cheating, and uh, he cannot be trusted. He he's got his road to trustworthiness is a long one. That um, so... is. I will I will not have your good good honour for, for playing a fair game. Besmirched. Um, but yes, but and so there are three other any other businesses. One is, and these, these mostly, well, the first two cover cars that have come up in previous podcasts, but it's always nice, I think, to have the news rounded off. So a while back, we talked about the ProDrive P25 Impreza, which was over half a million pounds. That's been fully revealed now. We're not going to cover again all the details. You can go back to the episode titled... Chinese EVs, crazy Subaru P25, and class action suits now, for more information if you want it. Um, other than that, we'll, we'll post some pictures of the reveal on Instagram. Uh, similarly, way, way back when we first started, there was a car which was called the Mercedes Vision EQXX, which was a concept car designed to show uh, the efficiency uh, or how efficient electric cars could be, and the idea was that it would have some kind of super range, although the battery would be no bigger than what you could get in stuff like the Mercedes EQS. Um, But the EQXX has just set a new record for the longest journey on a single charge, so it did 747 miles, which was from Stuttgart to Silverstone, plus a couple of laps of the track. Um, For reference, the average speed of the journey was 56 miles an hour, which I think is all right. I don't know if that you do. It must have
1: been truly riveting stuff. But if you think
0: about it, though, it's that's 56 miles an hour Average. the entire way.
1: Yeah, yeah. so you probably were doing typical motorway speeds.
0: Yeah, or in the 60s, you'd think. I do, they they didn't really go into details of whether or not they included stops, as in...
1: <laughs> yeah, did they include stops? Did they have a lorry that they were tailing the whole time for aero purposes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just happened to be a Mercedes that. lorry. That's a... In Fairness, that is actually really quite impressive because if you can, if you tell people, albeit it's a forward looking concept, you can do 750 miles in an electric car. Okay, fine. We know what happens in the electric car you take the claimed range and you slash it, even if that goes down to 550 miles, you go, Jesus, that's a lot of range. Yeah,
0: yeah, so yeah, fair play to them. yeah. And the last bit of news is the law commission uh, has opened or is now looking for public consultation on remote control driving so if you want to have your say you have until the 2nd of September 2022 um bearing in mind there is already a remote control car trial happening in Milton Keynes um don't sit there thinking oh, i hate this tech but it's years off you know the, the tech could be here sooner than you expect um or likewise if you've got something good to say about it or a good idea also, share it. Um, so, if you want, just Google Law Commission remote control cars and it generally comes up that you can hop onto the UK Gov website.
1: What's a remote control car?
0: So, I think it's stuff like where you can summon your car from somewhere.
1: God, we can already do that though.
0: I don't think you can do that on open roads though, can you?
1: No, I think you can only do it in a car park, private environment.
0: Yeah, and I think there's, a while back we talked, there was a bit about, so, oh, I I not mean to touch so loudly, there's a bit about self-driving cars and whether or not uh, cars which drive themselves will require someone sat somewhere for whoever whoever owns the car that's driving itself, so that if there's an, a, a moment that the car can't deal with itself, someone will dial in and take control of the car so i don't know whether there's there's an overlap here with this but like i say it's worth worth having a look if it if you want an input onto stuff like this
1: yeah I, I don't want to have a look I want to drive my car
0: that's cool that's cool <laughs> that's fine that's fair enough I also prefer that but yeah so I think that brings us to the end of the podcast have you unless there's anything else you want
1: to say no no i think there was albeit we went a bit off book at times there was some some good debates i quite enjoyed the one about you still wanting to buy a compromised car and me wanting to buy a purebred quartz car but that's <laughs> yeah. we're, gonna, we're gonna all have fun to and games right yeah
0: i feel like when we next see each other we've got some uh, some long-winded
1: conversations ahead of us yeah i'm gonna make good use of my empty bottle when i finish my beer <laughs>
0: oh so violent so yeah so on that note that brings us to the end of the podcast this week thank you all for listening we hope you've enjoyed it uh, if you like what you've heard please rate review and click the bell icon to get notification when the next podcast comes out because it helps us grow the podcast and eventually the range of automotive content if you fancy reaching out to us with any questions or comments good or bad instagram's your best bet our handle is the oh so witty automotive spelt a A U T O M O A N T I V E, and that's the brand that brings you this podcast alternatively search for search for hashtag amecars but that's all from us goodbye did you want a goodbye
1: oh i uh, goodbye
0: <laughs> nice nice